Alright, welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. Nathan stacking alongside you here. And this is perhaps the biggest week of uh, in SDSU history regarding you know SDSU athletics. Uh, the men put up a record-setting number of points against Savannah State, 139. They were blazing hot from three-point land. Scott Van Pelt even landed them on SportsCenter. I mean, their performance even landed them on Scott Van Pelt SportsCenter. Um, that's outstanding. They beat Savannah State 139-72. The women's basketball team almost knocked off number seven Oregon at home. Uh, Oregon, this would have been the second, I mean, this is the second best team ever to go to Frost apart from uh, Notre Dame who came a couple years ago. Then you have, of course, the marquee event of the week, and that would be the championship or the semifinal FCS champion or the semifinal game of FCS playoffs in Fargo. The mighty Bison, the undefeated Bison, the Bison who don't who no longer have Chris Kleiman as their head coach after this season. He's going to Kansas State. They're taking on our Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. And I just don't feel like this year is going to be any different. I get that this Jackrabbit team is has exceeded, I think, just about everyone's expectations this year after what took place last year. You know, they had Dallas Goddard and Jake Wenicke. And I think there was a lot of questions surrounding, like, oh, I mean, how are the how are you going to replace that offensive production that the Jackrabbits had? And Taron Christian has shown this year that he is more than capable of. Uh, I mean, he he's a he's a very good quarterback, and I would hope that he gets a look by some NFL teams. Will he get drafted? Unlikely, but I would hope that he certainly gets a a look, and he has got a great opportunity to show everyone to outduel Easton Stick. In the Fargo Dome, the Jackrabbits will have to play a near-perfect game to top the Bison. They gave the Bison their toughest match or toughest game this season back in September. I believe it was September 29th, late September. They lost 21 to 17 to the Bison. They had a 17-14 lead in the fourth quarter after Isaac Wallace ran a long touchdown in, and then they proceeded to give up a touchdown right after that. But the game kind of turned when Taron Christian threw an interception in the end zone with the Jackrabbits up 7-0. Even if you get a field goal there, you're up 10-0. You feel good about your chances. And those are the types of mistakes that the Jackrabbits can ill afford to make Friday against the Bison, or today, because hopefully most of you are listening to this podcast today, otherwise some of you listening after it, you'll, you'll know, that. Like, hey Nathan, you, know, you were right, otherwise you were wrong. Regardless, the Jackrabbits have had some issues in the playoffs against the Bison in recent years. I think this is their fourth trip now to Fargo in the playoffs, they have lost all three times. And to be fair, I mean, a couple, I think it was their second year that they, or second meeting, they had a fantastic 
chance to beat the Bison, ultimately lost. Uh, but two years ago, was it? They were up 10-0 against the Bison. Proceeded to give up 36 straight, lost 36-10. to That was a rough one. You're like, okay, well, maybe they'll, maybe it'll get a little better. Let's see. Then was it, uh, was it 2014? I feel like it was 2014. Yeah, that was the game. That was the game. They lose 27-24. Uh, that late touchdown by, was it Erzendowski, I believe, who caught it? Uh, that was... That was a rough one. Uh, can we get that here? Who is it? Yeah, Erzendowski from Carson Wentz. 54 seconds left after Jake Wenicke caught a pass from Austin Sumner to put the Jackrabbits up 24-20 with 3.18 to go. Ugh. The Jackrabbits gave it up. That, that was rough. That was very, very rough. Uh, let's see then. When was it? What other year? They they had I thought anyway we'll, we'll look this up here we'll get it for you oh here it is um they lost twenty eight to three to North Dakota State back in two thousand twelve so those are your four or th your three trips to Fargo in the playoffs you've not come through with a win it is time to change that. Will it happen though? Not sure. I, I, I don't even know if you can. As a Jackrabbit fan, can you really get your hopes up for this game? Given that the Bison come playoff time are about as sure of a thing as death and taxes. And the by and Alabama. I mean, they're as close to like Alabama. They're the Alabama of F of FCS football or of FBS. I mean, they are just phenomenal. And if any, again, I don't know what the Chris Kleiman leaving for Kansas State situation is going to leave the team, but I, you just don't really know. But I do know this. I mean, Easton Stick has played really well this year. I would take Taron Christian over him, but this team is loaded with seniors. All across the board. They have a lot of good running backs. This defense is great. The Jackrabbits are going to have to play near perfect and hope that they can force North Dakota State into some ill-advised turnovers or mistakes themselves. I don't know if that will happen. So you just got to go into this with an open mind and say, hey, I, I really hope that the Jackrabbits can win. And, but, you know, when they lose or get blown out, it, it's, it's just the same thing. Eventually, maybe the Jackrabbits will overcome that. It, you know what? It could be today. It could be. But I can't get my hopes really high that it's going to happen. NDSU is just too good. Uh, the... The Jackrabbits don't look at last week's game against Kennesaw State and say, "Oh, well, they didn't play well against Kennesaw State. Almost gave up a two touchdown lead, or a twenty to three lead." Yes, that is a little bit concerning. 
especially that it was to a backup quarterback. But look at the weather conditions. It was rainy in there. I mean, the, and the Jackrabbits, for the most part, defended that option offense of Kennesaw State really well. This is in the Fargo Dome. It's a place that they know very well. It's a place that they've won before. If I'm saying all this, I should be picking the Jackrabbits, but I'm just thinking it's going to be too difficult. I really do. I just think SDSU hopefully can keep this close. Maybe the more they keep it close, in the end, our hearts are going to get ripped out. Good news, though, on the football side. John Stiglmeyer, head football coach, has signed a five-year extension through the year 2023. I think that's very good for the Jackrabbits. They have obviously built this program to a level of consistency where they are or they are consistently making it to uh, deep runs in the FCS playoffs. Semifinals now for the second consecutive year. Last year against James Madison, not good. And maybe that's why maybe things will go a little better this year. They know what to expect in the FCS playoffs now at this stage in the semifinals. I don't know. But I think it's great that uh, Stigelmeyer is sticking around for another five years. Keep getting those good recruits in. And hopefully someday they'll knock off the Bison. And maybe it'll be on Friday, December 15th. 14th, excuse me. 14th. Maybe it'll be... 14th of December. Maybe not. After that, game is done. Uh, by the way, we will talk with Matt Zimmer here from the Argus Leader here in um, just a, a moment or two. Uh, get his thoughts on the playoff game. And we'll talk some basketball as well. Uh, the men, at, they had that historic performance against Savannah State. Oh, was that Tuesday? I believe it was Tuesday. Yep. They have a big matchup with number 7 Nevada on Saturday, 8 p.m. tip-off time in Reno. This is a game that the Jackrabbits really need to significantly boost their resume. Because right now they're beating up on teams who are just not very good and not helpful to where SDSU will want to be if it if they want to get a high seed, like an 11 or a 12 seed, or maybe even a 13 seed. Jackrabbits need a big... Um, they, they need a big win. But this Nevada team, the Martin Twins, uh, Treshawn Thurman, maybe some of you remember him, Treshawn Thurman from o Omaha uh, in the Summit League Championship game a couple years ago. He transferred to Nevada, sat out last year. He's with them this year. It's it's going to be a very difficult contest. And if you can't really compete with Memphis, I know they only lost 88-80, to 80, but Memphis got out on them early, and SDSU never could really come back. Couldn't recap from Or they, they couldn't bounce back. They couldn't really make it a game and make Memphis sweat. Are you going to be able to do that against Nevada? It's time to show it, Jax. It's time to show it. Mike Dom against Savannah State. 37 points, 14-24 from the field, 4-5 from 3. Skyler Flatten, 29 points, 10-12 from the field, 6-7 from 3. David Jenkins, 28 points, 10-18 from the field, 8-11 from 3. Save some points for Nevada because you're going to need it. You're certainly going to need it. So hopefully uh, the Jackrabbits can get the win. That the Big game, though. Nevada is a team that I think uh, that you should definitely consider 
for the final four. Um, you know, we will have more podcasts uh, specifically geared towards basketball on the SDSU site, so we'll have more SDSU podcasts in the new year. Um, so make sure that not every week, but for sure uh, we'll have some more podcasts throughout. So definitely be sure to just keep checking in. Uh, check out the Sports Block podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. SDSU podcast is there. Follow me on Twitter at ND Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Uh, links to the podcast are posted there later part of each week. Um, with that being said, the, again, the major focus this week is on football, but this is a huge week overall for SDSU athletics. Uh, women couldn't quite get it done. Will the football team get it done? Will the men's basketball team get it done? We're about to find out. But we really want the Jackrabbits to go to Frisco. Will that happen? I'm not going to hold my breath about it. I have my doubts. Please prove me wrong, SDSU. Please, please prove me wrong, Jax. I want to believe. I want to have faith. But how can you go against this Bison team? I just don't think you can. It's not smart. Not smart to get your hopes up. But we'll see. See what happens. Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader coming up next here to talk about more about the playoff game and some more basketball as well. That's coming up here on Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. All right, we continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. Pleased to be joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Matt, how are we doing? Good, Nate. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, it's a pretty big weekend for SDSU Athletics. I'd argue it's probably one of the biggest weeks, maybe the biggest, that SDSU Athletics has seen. Um, is that putting a little too high? If it's not the be- if it's not the biggest one, it's certainly right up there. Yeah, I mean, when you factor in <clears throat> what's going on with the basketball teams, you know, the men playing Nevada on Saturday... The women almost beating Oregon last night. The men setting a scoring record a couple nights ago. You know, that Savannah State game, I almost didn't go because I kind of thought, uh, it's not going to be anything exciting. And, you know, it ended up being a record-setting night. And and then, obviously, you've got <clears throat> probably the biggest football game. It has to be uh, the biggest football game in, in program history on Friday. So, yeah, I mean, last week was pretty impressive with, you know, beating Kennesaw State, the women beating Drake. I mean, it's just been a, a pretty pretty amazing last couple of weeks and really last couple of years, obviously, yep. uh, with what's been going on with this program. I've heard that some people are saying this is the biggest game in South Dakota football history. Is that a little? Is that going a little above and beyond? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know USD played for a Division II national championship, um, so that's pretty big. Uh, USF obviously won several national championships, albeit at the NAIA level. Um, but you know, this is—I I think you could make a, a pretty strong argument, given that it's Division One. Uh, it's you know going up against the North Dakota State dynasty, which would be something in itself. You factor in that they're conference rivals; that that's become probably the best rivalry in in the Division One FCS football. Yep. And you know it's going to be on ESPN too. Um, Easton Stick versus Taron Christian, all of that. I mean, Chris Kleiman's about to head to Kansas State. I mean, there's there's all sorts of things uh, surrounding the game to where if someone wanted to make that argument, I don't know what your what your counter argument would be. Right. Uh, so last week, in less than ideal weather conditions, 
uh, SDSU was able to prevail over Kennesaw State. Uh, overall, you thought they handled the Kennesaw State option attack pretty well, right? I did. Uh, I thought maybe they'd win the game a little more comfortably. Uh, I was surprised that they struggled offensively as much as they did. Uh, and, you know, Taryn Christian bailed them out. The defense played great for three quarters. And then when the supposed player of the year got hurt, Kennesaw State's starting quarterback, the backup came in, and I thought he was better. And all of a sudden, the Jacks couldn't get any stops. And they, they marched down the field for two really quick touchdowns, have all the momentum going. And it kind of looked like, geez, if the Jacks don't score here, they're going to lose. They're going to blow this game because they can't stop this guy. And uh, Taron Christian kind of did what you would want a senior, four-year starter, All-American quarterback to do. He took the game into his own hands, drove him down the field, scored a touchdown, and that was that. They were in the semifinals. And, uh, you know, at that stage in the season when you're that far along, you'll take any win no matter how you can get it. Uh, but it definitely got a little tenser there at the end than it needed to because when it was 20-3, to I think they were one score away from putting that game away. You mentioned the offensive struggles, and that was kind of evident throughout the game. Do you see any sort of carryover uh, or hangover effect coming into this week? I don't think so. Uh, I think the weather was, was a big factor in it. It was kind of weird because, you know, I asked Taryn Christian, well, you know, how, how did the weather affect everything? Oh, it didn't affect anything. You know, the ball was a little wet, but that's no excuse. Well, then how come you couldn't throw the ball? Right. Uh, so... I don't know if he just didn't want to come, like, he didn't want to feel like he was making excuses. And that's kind of Terrence's style. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go, oh, well, it was the rain or the snow or whatever. Um, but that had to be a factor. It was miserable out there. I mean, beyond just that it was wet, it was windy and cold. And it's one thing when it's just ice cold outside or when it's snowing. But when it's raining and cold and then you get wet and you can't get dry so you can't warm up, I can only imagine how miserable they were. So I think even though... You know, they're going into the most hostile environment in FCS football. I still think they're probably going to relish it to some degree just because they know they don't have to worry about the conditions. It's going to be indoors. Yeah, absolutely. And they've been to the Fargo Dome three times now in the playoffs, make this uh, the fourth year. This is the second consecutive year that they will be in the semifinals. So being that they made it their last year, got to experience what it's like during semifinal week, how much of an advantage does that give them this week in preparing for the Bison? Um, I don't know if it's so much about that they've been to this round before, uh, but I think yeah, none of them would probably admit it, but I think the Jacks overlooked James Madison to some degree last year. And I know that sounds weird given that they were the defending national champions, they were the number one team in the nation, but I think they just kind of felt like, hey man, we're rolling, we've got Dallas Goddard, uh, it's it's going to be us and NDSU in the championship next week. And, uh, you know, they came out and, and, and played really poorly. I mean, obviously just made a ton of mistakes and, you know, 10 turnovers. You don't give yourself a chance to win a game like that. Uh, I think maybe, if, if anything, they're going to be, you know, whether you want to say motivated by that or mindful of that, I, I think they remember how poorly they played the last time they were in this situation. And then when you throw on top of that the fact that it's NDSU, and yeah, they've beat NDSU before, but this NDSU team is undefeated. Uh, and now their coach is on his way out the door, which is obviously going to have them even more focused and fired up. So I think the Jacks, you know, well, could they lose this game? Of course. Could they get blown out? Sure. It's the Bison in the Dome. But I'd be surprised if they came out and were as mistake-prone uh, as they were last year in James Madison, just because I think they really 
have a good understanding of exactly what it's going to take to win this game. You kind of touched on it, and I was going to follow up with you on this. Uh, you know, with Kleiman leaving for Kansas State, uh, you think that the Bison will come out more focused. Is there any chance that, you know, I don't know, that maybe this is a little bit of a distraction, that it could have the opposite effect for the Bison, that they might be a little more mistake-prone? Well, see, I think the reason it won't is because, I mean, the same thing kind of happened with James Madison a couple weeks ago. There were all these rumors that Mike Houston was going to be going either to Charlotte or East Carolina. They were playing at home against Colgate that week, but it, the, 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 the decision hadn't been made yet. It was still just rumors, and Mike Houston was saying, you know, I'm focused on Colgate. I'm not thinking about that. Well, I don't know if the players believed him, and they got upset by Colgate, and two days later he was the coach at Eastern Carolina. This is a different situation in that Kleiman is already gone. You mm-hmm. know, he's told everybody. And I talked to Dan Marlette, NDSU starting middle linebacker, yesterday, and he really went out of his way to say it isn't just the fact that we already know he's going and we can prepare for it. He said it's the fact that he handled it so much better than, say, a Mike Houston did or even a Craig Bowl when he left a few years ago. He said the minute he was talking to Kansas State, he told them. He's like, guys, this could happen. Yes, I'm interested. I just want you to know what's going on. And then once the, the job offer was made and he was going, he told the team, guys, I'm going to Kansas State. And they appreciated so much that he was open and honest with them that rather than feeling blindsided by it or, or betrayed or anything, they're super fired up. They're, they're happy for him because obviously that's a, a huge jump that not a lot of coaches at this level get to make. He's mm-hmm. going to make a ton of money and all that. Uh, but also they recognize that it kind of it, it does give them an extra shot in the arm. Certainly not that they needed one, but I definitely think that they're you know they're definitely going on this thing saying, hey, let's send Coach Kleiman to Kansas State as a national champion. Yeah. So if I'm an SDSU fan, player, coach, I'm certainly not looking at that situation like, oh, hey, good news, that might help us. I think it just adds to the difficulty. Transparency is always key, and, and you're right. Why not send Kleiman out with a with a fourth national championship game? As for the game itself, the Jackrabbits lost 21-17 against the Bison in the Fargo Dome at the end of September. They did have a lead in that game. Isaac Wallace scored, I believe it was the go-ahead touchdown at the time. Obviously, he's not playing in, in this one, so the dynamics have changed a little bit. What's the biggest key for the Jackrabbits in this game? Well, I thought the biggest play in that game in September was the interception Taron Christian threw in the end zone. Yep. It was either late first quarter, early second quarter. Jacks had a 7 nothing lead, and they were driving again. Uh, if they go up 14 nothing, I think they win that game. Uh, but they didn't. Taron threw uh, an interception. The Bison capitalized. And t- to the Jacks' credit, I kind of thought maybe they would fold at that point. They fought back into it actually – retook the lead late in the game uh but that you can't you can't get down into the red zone against north dakota state especially in the fargo dome and not come away with points you can't do it and so i think you know this isn't one these teams know each other so well because not only do they play once or twice a year every year but so there's a lot of upperclassmen on both teams and a lot of those upperclassmen have been playing for three or four years so they're so familiar with the personnel they're so familiar with the schemes. There aren't going to be any surprises here. It isn't going to be one of those games where it's like, well, who's going to you know, come up with some sort of, you know, who's going to run the ball better, throw this, that, and the other. It's just going to be who doesn't screw up. And if neither team screws up, then we're in for a really, really, really good game. Uh, the, 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 the one in September, like I said, there was maybe just one screw up the whole game. 
Uh, that, was enough, that was enough to swing it in North Dakota State's favor. We've seen, you know, the, the Jackrabbits, the last time they were up in Fargo in the playoffs, had a 10 nothing lead, and then I think, what, North Dakota State rattled off like 38 straight points or something like that. I mean, it was just an avalanche at that point. I don't foresee that happening here, but John Stiglmeyer, uh, Jackrabbits head football coach, said that this is perhaps, you know, I think, didn't he say that this was like maybe their best chance or their best team to be able to go up and beat the Bison? I mean, is that is that a reasonable thing to to say or to think? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, it was hard to, last year, you've got Winnicky and Goddard going into their senior year, a lot of other great seniors. It sure felt like last year was sort of the all-in season. Mm-hmm. And that was why when they lost to James Madison and played so poorly against James Madison, you kind of go, man, what a wasted opportunity. They had their chance to go, you know, even if they lost to, far, to North Dakota State, just to get to Frisco, you know. Um, so I think everyone outside the program, including myself, thought they'd probably take a little bit of a step back this year. Not that they'd be, you know, struggling to get into the playoffs or anything, but it was hard to imagine them being better. But I think they are. And part of that is the emergence of Pierre Strong. I mean, he's they, ha- he, they haven't had a running back like him since Zach Zenner. That mm-hmm. makes them a lot more balanced on offense. That's why Terry Christian hasn't thrown for as many yards this year. He hasn't needed to. Um, Terry Christian has proven clearly he wasn't just a guy who was putting up gaudy numbers by throwing to a couple of NFL receivers. He's yep. had a great senior year, arguably his best season yet. Yep. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is the best they've ever had, which is especially important against North Dakota State because their defensive line is unbelievable. That gives them a better chance. And then on the flip side of it, too, uh, I, I still don't think the Jack defense is on the level of the code green defense, certainly, and we've seen that, uh, but they're pretty good. Uh, yeah. they're, they're a little bit better at the pass rush. Ryan Arif gives them that edge pass rusher they really haven't had since Danny Bat. and uh, the linebackers are a year older, so they're a little bit better, uh, and the secondary is pretty good, too. Um, Kralkowski's not going to play, and that's really going to hurt him because he's had – uh, a really good freshman season, and he had a terrific game uh, in Fargo uh, back in September. So that hurts him. Uh, but I, I, I can't disagree with Stig's assessment that uh, this team is as built because of its balance and depth uh, as any of the other ones they've had to win up there. Now, me, that's the defensive lineman, right? Because that is that the injury there? Karolikowski, yeah. He's yep. their starting nose tackle. Like I said, he really uh, was arguably the Jacks' best defensive player. Uh, in that first meeting with North Dakota State. So that that's a big blow. So overall, for the game then, how do you kind of see this playing out here? Will NDSU be making it to Frisco, if you, or will SDSU be celebrating their first trip down to Frisco? If you don't want to make a prediction, that's fine. But I guess how do you see this game playing out? You know, I, I'm kind of torn. I really felt that I was going to pick SDSU, just kind of figuring like, hey, you know, it's going to be tough for the Bison to beat them twice in one year. It's Taryn Christian's senior year. He's going to find a way to, to do what needs to be done. Um, but it's hard for me now to make that call because of the climbing thing. Like I said, I just find it so tough to think that that North Dakota State will lose the last home game he ever coaches as their coach in the Fargo Dome. That, if the Jacks manage to do that, man, that's quite an accomplishment because I, I just feel like that's, you know, that, that, that those players, just that that's going to be their biggest motivation is – <laughs> how dis- disappointing would it be for them if the last game Chris Kleiman ever coached with the Bison was a home loss to their rivals in the yep. 
FBS semifinal. Yeah, the focus definitely there. Uh, speaking of coaching news, though, with uh, you know John Stiglmeyer signing a five-year extension through 2023 with the Jackrabbits, with Kleiman leaving, how much does this perhaps vault SDSU up? I mean, they're already one of the top FCS programs, but does this put them even more on a, you know, given the trajectory of this program and with the coaching stability with Stiglmeyer, does this put them near that level with NDSU? I, well, I think they're kind of already on that level. I mean, they're, they're probably the second best FCS program in the country, I think. It's just kind of a distant second because, you know, what the Bison have done. Right. Nobody other than maybe Alabama, I guess, can claim to be on that level. Yep. Um, but, but, yeah, it, it opens the door a little bit. I mean, I don't think the Bison are going to, you know, be 6-5 and five next year by any means. Uh, but this thing can't go on forever, can it? I'm, I'm, it's like death win. taxes in North Dakota State winning national championships. That's where I'm kind of coming down to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like if, if they win 20 in a row, it's like, why are we even doing this? Right. So something's got to give at some point. And uh, I, I think when Bowl left, Simon was so highly regarded that I don't think anybody thought like, oh, here's our chance. I think everyone knew the ship was going to keep right on sailing. Uh, I don't know that there's quite that much confidence this time just because there isn't as much of the obvious candidate uh, to replace him. And because when Kleiman took over, there was a bigger gap between the Bison and everyone else than there is now. The Jacks, James Madison, those schools have closed the gap a little bit. Uh, And James Madison, they lost their coach too. So out of the three, I think, consensus, three best teams in the the subdivision, two of them are going to go through coaching changes. Of course that's an advantage to the Jacks. Does it mean, yes, for sure, they're going to win a national championship in the next couple of years? Not necessarily, uh, but I think if you're if you're a Jacks fan and you're looking for reasons to think, are we ever going to break through? Are we ever going to end this, this run of theirs? Well, this helps. Absolutely. Uh, switching to hoops now for a, a couple of minutes here. Uh, SDSU women hosted Oregon on Wednesday night. Uh, they had a lead for large stretches of this game but ultimately Oregon came out on top 87 to 79 you were there uh, it was a pretty raucous atmosphere from the sounds of it uh, it term like it, you've been to frost a number of times there rank that crowd uh, in terms of how many visits you've made there um probably top 10 I don't know if top five necessarily I wasn't there when they hosted Notre Dame about five years ago because there was a football game that same night on the road. Uh, but there was over 5,000 for the Notre Dame game. There were about 3,000 last night. Um, but it was loud. It was great. And, and, you know, I think what helps is it's gotten to the point now where even the, the teams coming in, the Oregons, the Louisvilles, they, they're prepared for it. They know. It's not like they're surprised. Like, holy cow, what's this South Coast State thing? It, it's gotten to the point where everyone knows now. Uh, so everyone kind of expected it, and that added some juice to it. There was, before the game even started, everyone knew it was going to be a great atmosphere and that it was probably going to be uh, a really good game. And it was right from the get-go. And, uh, you know, it's just the other thing, too, that, that kind of stood out just in the in the aftermath was, you know, the first couple times this happened when they almost beat Notre Dame, even when they almost beat Louisville, it kind of felt a little bit like a moral victory for the Jacks. It was hard to be too disappointed that they didn't win those games that has that ship has sailed at this point. You could mm-hmm. tell last night, Macy Miller, Madison Giebert, they were really upset uh, because you can only come close so many times before you start saying enough of being happy staying with them. We want to win one of these. And 
certainly there's a difference between beating, say, 21st-ranked Drake and beating the number seven, to, and, and a week ago they were number three. Right. Um, so it's hard to say that they should have won when you're talking about, you know, arguably one of the five best teams in the entire country. But that just goes to show you how good they can play at Frost. They really had a chance to win that game. Yeah, and like you said, you know, they've had chances against Notre Dame and Louisville, and even, you know, going back to this year with, you know, the close loss to Baylor and to Buffalo. It's like the the Jacks are so close to breaking through. It's when does it get to that point? Because we know they can play with them. It's just a matter of playing with them the whole game and coming out on top with that victory. Yeah, I, I kind of think this year's team isn't deep enough, honestly. Uh, so I was kind of surprised that they, they played them as tough as they did. They were so undersized in comparison to them. I mean, you got six one Tegan Larson has basically your five, and Oregon's got six 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 four six four six two. You know, I, I was afraid it was going to be a blowout. That maybe the Jacks would come out with a lot of energy, really start strong, start fast, but eventually they'd get worn down and overwhelmed. They didn't. That's a credit to them. Uh, but also, I think one thing that you really notice with this Jacks team uh, is they have four really really good players. Madison Gebert, Basie Miller, Maya Selland, Tegan Larson. Uh, after that, they've got a lot of role players, a lot of complimentary players. Uh, Tylee Irwin played 28 minutes last night, and she did not play well. Uh, I kept kind of looking around going, when are they going to take her out? And the fact that they didn't kind of tells me that maybe they don't have anybody else. So, again, that's a credit to them that they kept the game as close as they did. Uh, but it also makes me wonder if that's something that potentially down the road uh, could trip up the Jacks, whether it's in the Summer League tournament or whether it's in the NCAA tournament, where obviously, you know, they're no longer happy just getting there. They want to win games. They want to get to the Sweet 16 for the first time. That INSQ for Oregon, she's something else, isn't she? I was just thinking, you know, who was the, the Notre Dame star that was there a couple of years ago? Uh, uh, Agumba Wale? That, that might have been third. I, eh, no, it was a different name. Uh, but anyway. Oh, um, oh, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. It's a, she was their post player, yeah. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll try and get her, the name here. Her and Ionescu are probably the two best players that have ever played at Frost Arena. I mean, when you see someone who's basically averages a triple-double and makes shots like the one she made with a minute left to ice the win, she was really, really, really good. And, and I kept kind of thinking as the game went on, like, I hope fans realize how rare it is to see a player of this caliber at Frost Arena. She leads in like triple doubles in, in NCAA women's basketball. I think uh, the Northern A player is uh, um, Skylar Diggins. Is that... uh, no, I don't think that's oh. it either. Oh, I don't okay. know. Well, it was a close call for the women. As for the men, big game against Nevada here. Uh, kind of wish they had saved some of their points against Savannah State uh, for Nevada, but that's going to be a real true test Uh you know they they've played some weaker competition so far this year, um, so it would be really nice for them to keep it close with a top ten team like Nevada. It would because obviously it's a, a different story on the men's side. You know they've only won one game ever against a ranked team. You know the women have won eight of them and they've come close to you know four or five more. The Jacks men for the most part when they play ranked teams, it's a really really a big challenge and. When they play, you know, top five, top ten teams, they usually get blown out. I mean, you remember last year at Kansas did not go well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Nevada that caliber team? I don't know. I mean, they're they're obviously not the rank number seven, but they're not kind of that annual contender like a Kansas or Kentucky. So maybe that makes it a little more realistic. I know Mike Don said 
and Skylar Flatten and TJ Otzenberger both agreed with them. One of the problems when they play games like this is that sometimes they get a little too caught up in what they're trying to do. And like, oh my God, we're playing Kentucky or we're playing Kansas. And, you know, we kind of get caught looking up at the bright lights of the arena. And, and you know, and plus these games are always on the road. It's not like the winter right. where you can sometimes get games like this at home. So it's a huge challenge. I don't think they're going to win. If they do, it'll be by far the biggest win. Well, I, don't, I mean, not bigger than getting to the NCAA tournament, but the biggest regular season win yep. they've ever had and one of the biggest upsets in college basketball this year. So can they do it? Yeah, I don't think they will. Uh, but it would be nice for them uh, to at least give a good showing so that they can have more confidence, not just the rest of the season, but assuming they do get into the NCAA tournament, if they have happen to end up being an 11 or 12 or 13 seed again, they're not feeling like they've got this incredible uphill battle. They can say, hey, you know, we've, we've played teams like this before and hung with them. Do you get to make the trip from Fargo to Reno? I will not. Oh, okay. I probably could if I wanted to, but I, I gotta take a break once in a while. Yeah, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, so I, I appreciate the time as always, Matt. Um, oh, just one other thing. Just that historic performance that we saw uh, against Savannah State. What were the players saying after the game? What, what the the reaction? Of course, you know they made it on ESPN Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt and and that whole deal. But I mean, I have to think that the players were pretty amazed themselves that everything was falling the way it did. They were. The funny thing was, there was a strong sense before the game that something like that was going to happen uh, within the team. Like I said, none of the fans, or certainly I, knew what we were in for. Uh, but I, I had a couple conversations with some coaches before the game and some staff. They're like, hey, Savannah State likes to run as fast as they can and shoot threes and shoot threes and shoot threes, and we're going to play their game. And so you kind of knew, okay, if, if they're not making any shots, this is just going to be an ugly, going to look like a shoot-around. Uh, but if they, were, if they were making their shots, it had a chance to be kind of how it turned out. But whoever expects somebody to – I mean, they shot 80% on three-pointers in the first half. Yeah. I mean, it was – nuts and it was fun to watch and, and even savannah state you know they're going back to division two so I, I i got the impression they went into this game like they almost acted like they weren't even playing sdsu like they were just playing themselves like let's just try to score as many points as we can and whenever they have the ball who cares what happens and that kind of made for a a fun uh back and forth fast paced it, it caught there's kind of a little lull early in the second half just because i think everyone was exhausted probably yeah. <laughs> uh, but they picked it back up again in the second half and and savannah started playing better and so that was yeah i mean the, a lot of the non-conference men's games tend to be really boring so it was a nice change of pace to see a game like that yeah absolutely and we'll see if they can uh, put some of those points to good use against nevada on saturday uh matt i always appreciate the time uh i hope uh, we're talking next week about a jackrabbit victory over the bison but uh, enjoy the game on Friday in Fargo, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. You bet, Nate. See ya. Matt Zimmer, artist leader. Appreciate his time, as always. Uh, great stuff there. Great insight. So he thinks that the climbing deal is going to kind of push the bison over the top, and it's hard not to disagree with him, especially after listening to the testimony there from you know, some of their players. Uh, you know, they don't want to send climbing out on a loss at home. The, the Fargo Dome? That just that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Great, like I said though at the beginning, this is perhaps the biggest week of SDSU sports. Like if you look at it, obviously not the results that uh, that were 
that we got Wednesday night uh, with the women losing to Oregon in a very hard-fought, uh, contested game, losing 87 to 79. And uh, you know, of course, the men. I would say it's likely that, or very likely, that they are going to lose against Nevada. And I, I hope I'm proven wrong. It's just you know when you see them kind of lose to Memphis, uh, a Memphis team that's not all that good. Uh, to have to come play their number seven Nevada on the road, that's that that's pretty challenging. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll just quickly go over the basketball schedule here. Again, men are at Nevada, 8 p.m. on Saturday. Tuesday at Eastern Washington, 8.05, and then home on Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. against Montana. That ends the non-conference portion of their season then a week two weeks from this friday 14th they begin summit league conference play as for the women they uh host savannah state on you know friday today if you're listening on friday uh then they're at montana state on tuesday 8 p.m then at wyoming thursday 7 30 p.m their next game then again against western illinois two weeks from friday 14th so on December 28th so good luck to the basketball team but of course our focus right now is on the football team good luck to Taryn Christian uh to to everyone on that team yeah they're in for a very tough matchup you know you're down you're you know one of your best players on defense that's not going to help measures either they've been in they've been here before three times in the playoffs I think with the not the first time, but maybe the second time, they had a real good chance to beat North Dakota State and uh, didn't come through. They lost earlier this year. Maybe that helps them. I don't know. Um, but certainly, uh, this is going to be a very difficult task. Um, I'd love to pick SDSU to win. But until the mighty Bison fall, how can you pick against them? So I hope we're talking next week. I hope we're talking about an SDSU going to Frisco for a national championship against either Maine or Eastern Washington. Um, but we'll see. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition. Uh, so thank you, as always, to Matt Zimmer for uh, spending uh, some time with us. Uh, appreciate his insight. As always, you can find him on the Argus Leader uh, call. Uh, does everything SDSU Jackrabbit related, so definitely follow him on there. Follow him on uh, Twitter at Argus Matt Z. So uh, that's the Twitter handle for him. Uh, so again, appreciate his time there. As for us, I think we're gonna that'll pretty much cover it for this week. Go Jacks! Beat the Bison! Fingers crossed that they do it. We'll be back maybe next week with a pre-Christmas edition recapping the season or talking about maybe Frisco. Maybe we'll be talking in another couple weeks about Frisco. Certainly then once college basketball begins, we'll be talking a little bit more, uh, having a a few more podcasts. But uh, again, thank you to Matt for joining us, and thank you for listening. You can always find this podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Also follow me on Twitter, at NDStacken, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Uh, Have a link to the podcast posted later part of each week that we do in SDSU Podcast. Of course, we haven't been doing them every week this year uh just one here one there but uh come on team let, let's let's get a frisco let's beat the mighty bison uh send north dakota state and chris Kleiman to manchester 
or Manchester, not Manhattan, not Manchester, Manhattan. Send Climbing to Manhattan a little upset and send Bison home, Bison fans home crying. Unlikely, but we'll see what happens. Uh, fingers crossed. So cheer loud out there, SDSU. Go get them football team. Go get them basketball. And as always, go big, go blue, go Jacks. Talk to you next time on the next edition of the Sports Blog Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition.